I'm Stephen Adams. This is down to Doug. I'm I'm miffed and peeved. That's not the words. What do I say? Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm about to dunk. I'm not miffed and peeved. Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm down to dunk. I'm Stephen Adams. I'm not miffed and peeved. I am down to dunk. Yo, this PG and I'm down to dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. And with me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, good morning. So early. I'm so, I just feel like I have to apologize to you for how early it is. Thank you. You do. <laughs> In Portland right now. <laughs> um, so we got some news yesterday. So... You were watching the game live the other night against the Pelicans. What what went through your head when Russell came down on Anthony Davis's foot and then just was writhing in pain? Well, for the first thought before I saw the replay was, "Oh my, that's his knee! Like something happened with his knee." That was what I was. That was my initial thought. I thought everything was over. I immediately went to the absolute worst case scenario and was freaking out. And then you see the replay and it's like, well, that's still really bad, but at least it's not his knee. It looks like it's just an ankle, but it could right. be in high ankle. Mm-hmm. And I started Googling high ankle. <laughs> that's a bad thing that, to Google. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad thing to Google because it's like, well, they could come. Most athletes come back within six weeks, but for half of athletes, the problems linger up to six months. So it's <sighs> like, well, that sounds pretty terrible. <laughs> and then the Pelican sideline reporter tweeted out that tests show that uh westbrook has a high ankle sprain so then i was like oh no like how first of all how did the pelican sideline reporter find this out (laughs) and then finally yesterday we hear from royce that it probably was just a low ankle sprain which is what that doctor said on twitter you see that guy oh you retweeted him yeah yeah i saw that i was like oh well, at least he says he's a doctor. Let me retweet right. this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like he was trying to diagnose it basically from the from the replay. Yeah. So I, I trusted his opinion a little bit. So it was it was just good. It was it went from very bad to okay, fine, this this could be okay. Like even if he missed two weeks, like I was looking at their upcoming schedule. Mm-hmm. The next just the next two weeks at Cleveland, Houston, at Dallas, Phoenix, the Knicks at Phoenix, at Sacramento. Yeah, it's as soft as the schedule is for the Thunder this season. Yeah, and if he did happen to be out for two weeks, and even if they did, let's say, go like three and four mm-hmm. in that time span, that wouldn't be terrible. They would still be 500 by the time he got back, and and it wouldn't be too bad. But I, I do have... I mean, the way they closed that game against the Pelicans, it's hard not to have a little bit more faith in them going forward compared to the way we felt about them the first two games of the season. Yeah, and some of it is just that they're making shots. Uh, I also think putting Jeremy Grant in the starting lineup, although I didn't think that was a good idea, uh, it was ended up being exactly what this team needed. I think it's there's more comfort both, for both he and Patterson, um, which doesn't seem right, but... Uh, you, when you watch, you just can tell the difference. Uh, and then also, Alex Sabrinas uh, has been phenomenal uh, off the bench. And so, like, all of those factors, I think that you have some more comfort with Dennis Schroeder. Um, Paul George still is having what – do you, what do you know about that foot problem that he's having? <laughs> I don't. You I don't. mean – Okay. No. I, honestly, you scared me on Monday's pod with Michele when you were like, yeah, I talked to my friend. He actually said it could be really bad. And then you immediately went off (laughs) to another topic. I was like, wait, wait, what are you talking about? (laughs) Well, I heard, I've heard that it can be, so it it wasn't in the same leg that he, that he broke. And so like some people's theory is that it's from the broken leg. Well, that's, that's not it. Um, but I heard that like that injury or that symptom can be from a, something in your back. Um, mm. it could be see something in your knee. Um, but it's, I mean, it's so hard to say, I mean, from right. afar, but he like gave the diagnosis and you're like, Oh, okay. Well, that's weird. And why are you always having weird maladies? Paul George. I know. 
and it's not like you can see it necessarily. Like it's not like he's dragging this <laughs> foot behind him when he's playing. Like he looks normal. Yeah, everything looks fine yeah. to me, and and he's still super active on defense. Yeah, he's doing everything that you want him to do. There's nights where he doesn't hit his shots, but that's kind of like the nature of Paul George in general. Uh, and he's had some really hot shooting nights. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, if he never said that at all, I don't know that anybody would be saying like, oh, he's hurt Um, because he's played well. He's really the game seems to be like super slow for him because the way he distributes, the way that he's getting into passing lanes, like he's really uh, engaged. And so the the foot thing is concerning. But like when you watch him play, if you never had that information, you'd be like, okay, like Paul George is having like a pretty good season so far for the Thunder. Um, but yeah, their schedule is crazy soft throughout the month of November. I think there's probably going to be one, two, three games that they're not favored in this month. Um, as long as Russell plays in a majority of them, I think Houston back to back at home. Well, they may be favored. I don't know if Russell will play. If Russell doesn't play, they probably won't be favored in that game. And then you have to get all the way to the golden state game, which is like two and a half weeks away. Uh, and obviously, you're not going to be favored in that. And then they have a home back-to-back with Charlotte and Denver, uh, which is kind of interesting because I, mm. I don't you don't hear of many home back-to-backs. But they play Charlotte, um, and then they play Denver. And then I think that there's a chance they're not favored against Denver. But everybody else, like they're favored. Atlanta, Cleveland, Charlotte, Sacramento, Phoenix, New York, Phoenix, Dallas, and Cleveland. Like that's, I mean, they need to bank some wins this month i mean that's that's your month of november uh they need to win like almost all those games like if they if they lose more than three games then that's kind of disappointing you know and yeah they, and they could beat a team they, i mean they could win against houston thursday night they could beat denver at home but you, they're going to drop one of these games but if you lose more than three or four games then uh, i think it's disappointing because this is the time to bank wins because january is really difficult and really, all the way through the playoffs until the playoffs is not going to be an easy schedule for the Thunder. So they need to they need to make sure that they're well above five hundred before you know the month of November is over. I'd like to thank the Mule for sponsoring today's show. You've got to go down to the Mule, Sixteenth and Blackwelder, in the Plaza District near downtown OKC. It is so delicious. It's a gourmet grilled cheese restaurant, and if you're going there, you've got to try the fried cheese curds. It's just a must. And then from there, you cannot go wrong with any sandwich that you order. The macaroni pony. I love the BCLT. If you're looking for something a little bit lighter, their BCLT. It's a grilled cheese version of the BLT. Uh, It's so, so good. You've got to go check out the mule. Also, one thing that I always do is ask what their seasonal side is and then you ask what it is, but then just don't even don't even listen because just order it. Because whatever it is, it's good. It's always very creative. It's always delicious. It's always so fresh. So support the people that support Down to Dunk and go eat at the Mule. Yeah, and the and the West. I mean, you look at the standings right now, and it is so crowded. Yeah, and I just ugh, it's terrifying. But you know, Russ is going to likely miss against Houston which is a bummer Mm because we were kind of looking forward to that matchup. But Andrew on the bright side, if we lose, we now have a great excuse. You know, we can just throw (laughs) that game out. We can totally ignore it. (laughs) But if we win, it's hilarious and we get to make fun of Houston some more. So it's not all bad. We can talk about how much they need Jeff Bizdelic. Change (laughs) everything for them. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. (laughs) Good luck. You want me to read Houston's um, offensive and defensive ratings for you? Very slowly <laughs> oh, yeah. <again? laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Currently, the, uh, the Houston Rockets sit at 23rd in offensive rating of 106.9. <laughs> defensive rating, 111.8. Oh, baby. 21st How bad is that? In the, 21st in the NBA. And to so me, they're a, that's oh, yeah. a bottom 10 in both. Bottom 10, while the Thunder mm. are top 10 in both. Oh, wow. At least one what, a shame. What, a, what a shame. What a shame. absolute shame. Uh, quick aside, I don't know how much Jeff Bazelk is going to be able to help when they have Carmelo Anthony playing 30-plus minutes a night. Yeah, like uh, somebody tweeted out the stats, his on-off numbers, and like they're a fine defense when Melo isn't playing. 
Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, well, what are you going to do? What, what? I don't understand what <laughs> he's going to come in and do. It's it's not like last year. Like last year, they had the personnel and they just had this head coach who had a reputation for not caring about defense, but they still had the personnel. Yeah. This year, they don't have the personnel and they still have the head coach who doesn't care about defense. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to be able to do either. Yeah, because I mean, last season it was like, oh, they have the perfect team for this switching defense right uh, from it just has to, to be implemented right yeah exactly uh okay anything else on the schedule coming up i mean they play cleveland tonight i mean they need also i think we should touch on this because i don't think that this has been completely proven yet although like i've, I've seen a ton of fight from this team but during the stretch i want to see that they've gotten all the uh, you know i'm not going to try very hard um out of their system you know, from last year, they just wouldn't try hard against bad teams. They just thought they could yeah. show up and play and win. And then they found themselves being in the fourth quarter with the Mavs and the Kings and the Magic and all these teams that they shouldn't have been. I want to see that they got that out of their system. And this month, I mean, we're going to see. I mean, they play Cleveland twice. They play Atlanta. They, I mean, they're playing the worst teams this month. And so they need to show that they can you know, play basically three quarters and then, you know, we're going to see a lot of Abdul Nader. Yeah. Tonight isn't like a must win, but yeah, they, they, they need it because yeah. Cleveland might be the worst team in the league. This is one of those games without Russ where they are still going to be favored and they should win. And like you said, like everything that we saw last year, like they need to reverse that, that trend. And tonight is a great, great opportunity. Thunder. Like yeah. you do it start right now yeah and it starts on the defensive end oh gosh okay carmelo anthony on off stat for you <laughs> <laughs> carmelo is off the court the mm-hmm. uh rockets are on minus 2.8 like mm-hmm. oh okay when he's on the court yes negative 8.1 Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right uh so I've heard, so I, I listened to this podcast yesterday and it made me so mad because somebody was talking about Russell Westbrook. Oh, he's the same old Russell. He's just stealing rebounds from people, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you haven't watched a game because Russell has been different this year. Like, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And actually, go, go ahead, but I want to talk about Schroeder at some point, but yeah. Yeah. There's, and there's stats to back this up. He is tied for fourth in total drives this season and is shooting better on those drives than anybody that's in the top three. Like he Mm -hmm. is getting to the rim more often and has been incredible. He's also this season. This, this is the one that shows me how different he's playing on the offensive end. He's 15th in touches per game at 78.3 last season. He was second in touches at 102.4. Like he had the ball all the time last season yeah and this season you can tell that he's giving the ball up quite a bit um and even passes made like he has 48.7 passes per made per game then a shooter is at 38.7 like that's that's pretty impressive and then last season his passes made per game was at 62 per game wow so there's like there's a massive difference in the way that he's playing and the dude hadn't had a triple double yet. And John Hamm was talking about this last night that it's, it's kind of a good sign that Russell is not racking up these crazy stat lines because it means that this team has other players that are getting people involved and other guys that are attacking. I mean, they put lineups out there that include Schroeder and Jeremy Grant and Paul George and Abrinas. Like every single one of those guys can create something for themselves. And you're seeing that. And a part of that is Russell's buy-in. Like Russell is giving up the ball. He's willing to cut more. Uh, he is setting the occasional screen, which has just been shocking. Um, and even on the defensive end, like he is fighting over screens. I saw him fight over two screens in a row and I just about fell off my couch. Just like, what is, wow. Like I, I was expecting him to die. And then like, I was gonna say, like, who's going to recover. And, but no, like he's, he's fighting on the defensive end. And what I really, really like seeing from him is the way that he defends the rim um on as a help defender um when steven adams has to get switched out to somebody else like he he fights with those guys at the rim 
and has played well. And so he really is giving effort in all different areas of the game. I'm hoping this ankle injury doesn't set him back, but we are seeing a, a new version and it. Really, it's a more bought in version of Russell Westbrook. Um, and will it continue? I, I don't know. Uh, will all of that continue? I would say it probably won't. Uh, but it's at least a good sign uh, for this team that they that one that he's bought in. But it seems like everybody else is kind of buying into what Billy Donovan wants them to do. And you've really seen that play out um, in their five game win streak. Me being in my 30s now, I'm surrounded by friends that are losing their hair. And 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. And when you start to notice hair loss, it is too late. It's easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair that you've lost. And so that's why you need to visit 4hims.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims connects you with a real doctor and medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. They have well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. There's no snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. And I really just hope that you guys aren't using those because that's just kind of terrifying. But prescription solutions backed by science. No more waiting rooms, no awkward personal visits to the doctor. You can save hours just by going to 4 It's super easy. All you have to do is answer a few quick questions and our doctor will review and prescribe you what you need. The products are shipped directly to your front door. Right now, my listeners get a trial month of Hims for just $5 today while supplies last. See the website for details. This would cost you hundreds if you went to the doctor or the pharmacy. Go to forhims.com slash OKC Dunk. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash OKC Dunk. Forhims.com slash OKC Dunk for your $5 trial of four hymns. Yeah, I mean, we've seen some flashes this year on defense of the same relentlessness that he has on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a play in the Pelicans game. I forget who it was posting up. It was either Davis or Miritich and Westbrook just kept trying to strip the ball from them and finally got it and got the steal. And that was the play where like he ran down the court and like two Pelicans guys converged and they all just kind of <laughs> <laughs> fell together. Right. Um, but yeah, he's he's just been annoying on defense, which is what you want from him because that's yeah. kind of how he is on offense. Like he never lets you rest. Um, but a few a few other points that kind of go along with this changed Westbrook. One is Stephen Adams is for the first time in his career averaging double digit rebounds, which wow. is interesting because it's largely because of improvement in defensive rebounding. So last year, as we all know, Adams averaged more offensive rebounds than defensive rebounds. Last year, he had a 16.6 offensive rebound percentage and a 13.9 defensive rebound percentage, which is the percentage (laughs) of those rebounds that he gets when he's on the court. This year, it's completely flipped. So this year, his offensive rebound percentage is 13.7, which is back down like where it had been previous in his career. Mm -hmm. And now he's at 18.7 defensive rebound percentage. Wow. And and part of that is probably Adams. But I think a big part of that is maybe Westbrook isn't going for every single rebound every anymore yeah his energy seems to be with things that seem to matter more <laughs> you know right um and it's not a, and we've, we've talked about this at nauseum but i mean they it's not a bad thing that he gets an offense or gets a defensive rebound because then he can push the ball they play the faster pace but it doesn't seem so at least it hasn't seemed so forced uh there hasn't been moments where you really uh, there hasn't been many moments at all with Russell so far this season where you're like oh my goodness like Russell you need to stop forcing it um I think really the Celtics game is the only thing that really sticks out in my mind where it's like okay like this is bad Russ this is like Russ trying to force himself uh into the action and uh but otherwise I haven't really seen that yeah and we've seen that they can still be successful when Adams gets a rebound right um and then the other thing is with Schroeder because I, I, I was listening, and um, I think to Dream Team talking about Schroeder as as a luxury, yeah, which I totally get. But I'm I think I, what I'm realizing is that this type of player might actually be a necessity to fully maximize Westbrook's value, yeah, because this is the type of player they've needed to pair with Westbrook all along. We've been focused for years and years on finding like the perfect three and D shooting guard, which is very important too 
for Russ, but maybe we should have been focusing on finding an elite backup point guard, which almost seems counterintuitive, which is probably why Sam Presti thought Samaj was, would be enough as a backup over a season. <laughs> but having someone who can come in and run an offense and maintain the energy that Russ has, yeah. it, it completes the team's identity. Like They now have 48 minutes of identity, whereas in the past two seasons, it's been like, well, they have like 32 to 35 minutes of identity. And then there's these like 10 minutes where it's like, I don't know what's happening. I, I don't know. I don't really know what we're doing right now. We're just going to try to figure some stuff out and hold on for dear life until Russ gets back. Right. And now, like when Shooter comes in, like it's still a functional offense. They're still being aggressive. He's being aggressive on defense. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I, I almost think he's a necessity now. And he, he maximizes what Westbrook brings to this team. Yeah, I think that's an that's a really good point because this is kind of what we had hoped it would look like with Victor Oladipo um, mm-hmm. handling the ball and you know Russ at least letting him have some possessions, but they used him off the ball pretty much exclusively. And I don't know if it takes like okay, well he is an actual point guard uh, for you to give the ball up a little bit more. But even last season, you thought okay, like Paul George is going to handle some possessions and then Russell will, and it's going to be great. And it's like okay it's all Russell. Uh, right. And, and I, that's a really, really good point is that to give the ball up, maybe it does take another ball handler. I'd like to thank day creative for sponsoring today's show. Day creative is Norman based and they're a full service web design agency that wants to see your business thrive. Their end to end solutions will build your online identity and expand your brand to audiences. You haven't even considered Say goodbye to the cookie cutter templates and leave the heavy lifting to Day Creative, and that's daycreative.net. Ask for Matt. He's awesome. He's a Thunder fan. So please contact him. And Russell has always played well with another you know point guard next to him, uh, as long as they're a, a decent point guard. <laughs> um, and Schroeder, I mean, his spot-up numbers are really solid. He's 43.8% on spot-up threes. Right now they have three guys that are shooting 40-plus percent on spot up three point shots in the seven games that Russell has played. It's Patterson at 40%, Brinus at 40.7, Schroeder at 43.8, and then Deontay Burton at 100%, but that's just because he only hit one. Um, (laughs) And then you have guys that you know are going to get better, or at least one guy you know is going to get better, and that's Paul George, who's only shooting 29.5% on um, catch and shoots. Um, So that, that will obviously get better, but if you could have even four guys that are close to 40% from three, like, man, like that's impressive. And if one of them is Dennis Schroeder, man, that just shows you that he can play with Russell, like that three point shot, that catch and shoot number, it's not going to sustain like it, but if he can settle in even at 36% catch and shoot, like that's good enough. Like that's good enough to where people are going to have to guard you. And so he's going to cool off from there eventually. He's not really even taking that many 2.3 per game. But if he can continue to at least hit those shots with some consistency, you can play with Russell. His defense, like you've mentioned, has been good enough so far this season uh, that you can feel pretty good closing games with him. Um, And not only the catch and shoot, not only the defense, but just the one other guy that can attack an opponent's defense on the other side is so important. And you've seen that from him. I think Alex Abrinas has taken a huge step up when it comes to that. I mean, the way that he... I can't remember who he was attacking i think it was maybe julius randall but he was relentlessly attacking the basket one possession and ended up getting to the foul line i was like i had never seen that from alex abrinas before uh he's been really impressive and so to have a guy like that you have to guard to have Schroeder that you have to guard um yeah that's a huge thing for this team because last year i mean you did have like Melo did provide spacing um, but he took a lot of possessions and he took possessions like out of the flow of the offense. Like you had to almost like have your thunder offense and then have your mellow offense or at least and and the bench lineup too was different. So you had like your starting lineup that played one way and then you kind of had to give mellow a few possessions on the side if he wasn't spotting up from three. Uh, but now you just play the same way for 48 minutes. And that's why Raymond Felton does not play uh, because he changed, he cannot play that style and that's okay. Um, but there's a reason why he's not playing at all, um, right? Unless unless he's needed to, is because they have their identity and he doesn't really fit it. Yeah, talking about Abrinas, he uh, 
the way he's attacking the basket is like getting crazy. Like there was a point. Do you remember the play <laughs> against the Pelicans where he drove against Anthony Davis? <laughs> And Anthony Davis just like swallowed him yes. completely. Yeah. <laughs> Abrinas just vanished from sight. <laughs> uh, but he didn't but, stop, which was the good thing. I know. Like the fact that he has that kind of confidence right now. Yeah. Because honestly, like the last couple of years, we would see it in flashes. Like he would have a crazy dunk and everyone would tweet about it because it's like, whoa, did you see that? Like <laughs> Abrinas can dunk. And he would just be this spot up three guy, mm-hmm. and now like that only feels like a like a part of, like half of his game because yeah. he's driving so much. Yeah, he's handling the ball a ton. I need to look at like what his dribbles are per game because it's got to be up from where it's been in the past. Um, yeah, this this team this is a pretty good team, and the bench is becoming more impressive by the day to me. Uh, because I mean, you have like Nerlens Noel. I thought I think he's been really solid this season. Uh, Diallo continues to show that he's a guy that belongs on the floor. Uh, Alex Abrinas has taken a step up. You have Schroeder, uh, Patterson. You know, since he's been on the bench, like he's been really good um, shooting that forty percent from three on spot ups. Um, I mean, that's that's awesome. And so the, the, this is probably the strongest Thunder bench, at least at this point. Um, that we maybe ever had like is there a better one yeah i mean unless that like harden collison bench i honestly don't remember who else was <laughs> in that group uh yeah i mean i i mean obviously those two were really awesome at the time and sometimes it really just takes one guy off the bench um, right for it to really matter but if you have guys like one through ten that you're like okay like i feel okay with that guy being on the floor uh, like that's, that's great. And I don't like, is there anybody in that top 10 rotation that you feel like, Oh man, they probably shouldn't be playing. And no, honestly, the only time I feel that now is when Felton comes out. Right. And that's funny because like last year we were just so excited to not have Samaj that we were like, <laughs> Oh, this isn't that bad. Like I can handle Felton. And now like Felton's almost become the luxury for me. It's like, Oh yeah, I remember these feelings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like one through ten like you feel okay even like ferguson has played his way out of the slump but we haven't talked about maddie lee's um piece on our podcast yet um where ferguson i think it was after the sacramento game maybe it was a, a different one but i just i know for sure he was just completely distraught after the sacramento game uh and russell ended up you know checking in on him which i think is a big deal and then you know, they met up at the gym and he was able to give Ferguson some encouragement. And that really seems to make a, a seem to make a big difference for Ferg. And he's played well. Like he's, his defense has been solid since then. There's games where he's engaged offensively uh, and then not so much others, but he's at least playable. And Billy's not giving him like a token, like 25 minutes. He's playing him like in the teens, which I think is just about right. So I don't, I don't have a huge problem with that. If Fergus playing like this, um, to, to let him play, especially if you're giving Alex Sabrina's 30 minutes on the other side. Yeah. He's, he's rebounded significantly. Um, he is, I am not worried about him right now. Yeah. Which is a quick turnaround. It was. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he was really, he was truly awful to start the season. But honestly, all it took was his shot started to fall because yeah. the defense was all, all, always there. Yeah. So once the, those shots started falling, it was like, Oh, okay. Like I get it now. Like I get what they're going for with Ferguson. And then he had that. That was a really nice dunk. Yeah. Uh, against it, the Pelicans. It was, I think uh, he, he kind of needed that. He needed the exclamation point because he hadn't really had a lot. Of, I mean, Diallo's had like five of those moments this season. And he had two of them in that Pelicans game. But I feel like Ferg kind of needed that that moment uh, this season because he's, I mean, he, he has struggled. Uh, but he seems to be turning a corner as does this entire Thunder team. And then just, of course, when the Thunder are turning a corner, of course, Russell Westbrook gets hurt. <laughs> it's just, yeah. just felt like so, it was like, okay. I'd like to thank The Athletic for sponsoring today's show. The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for the diehard fan. If you want to know the inside stories, you're going to theathletic.com. I'm sure most of you have already heard of it. If you're listening to this podcast, you are a diehard sports fan, so you've heard of The Athletic. What's great about it is there's no ads, there's no pop-ups, there's no of those 
autoplay videos to annoy you while you're trying to read. It is just the in-depth coverage that you want from the best journalists out there. We have Brett Dawson here covering the team locally. Everybody knows Darnell Mayberry covers the Bulls for the Athletic. We have Fred Katz covering the Wizards. Uh, Anthony Slater covers the Warriors. You know all those guys, and they're just the best in the industry. And so to get The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com backslash dunk. That's all lowercase D-U-N-K and get 40% off your subscription. Subscribe and be part of the future of sports journalism. Like this team is finally clicking. Like it happened last year with Dre. Uh, we're lucky that it's not anything worse um, than what it is. What What's your prediction out of, I mean, this is based on nothing but just our feelings. Uh, what's your feeling on when he'll play again? I mean, I, I feel like they should just wait. I'm, I mean, I'm just not too worried. Assuming like, if they lose in Cleveland tonight, then I wonder if my opinion changes <laughs> and yeah. it's like, we'll get Russ back as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. But if they can go, even if they went like two and two in their next four games, yeah. like let's say they lost to Houston and lost to Dallas, but they beat Phoenix and Cleveland. Like I'd mm-hmm. still feel fine with Russ just taking his time and coming back when he's ready. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think they need to push it that much right now. It's not like there's that many teams that have separated themselves in the West. Um, but that's kind of dependent on the schedule. Cause like you said, this is the easy part of their schedule. They need to bank the wins now. Yeah. Um, so I, if I had to guess, I would actually guess that he's out like the next two weeks. I think they take their time with it hmm. and see how it goes. I just wonder, like, he's traveling with the team. Already. I know, I know, I know. It's just that to me signals that, oh, like he went to Cleveland. Really? Like, why, right. why is he going to Cleveland? Uh, I just wonder if we don't, won't see him either Saturday or Monday. Yeah. Ooh, then I'm just going to, I'm going to be so nervous the rest Monday. of the season, just watching that ankle. <laughs> Monday will be a week. Okay. Um, and it's against Phoenix. I, I don't know. I, I could see that being the game where he comes back. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised just be, I mean, like the thunder wouldn't tell, Royce to put out there that oh it's really it's not nearly as bad as we had thought you know if if they thought he was going to be out for an extended period I figured they would, right, that's they, would, true. they would probably give the diagnosis like you know he's you know grade whatever he'll be reevaluated um, in the near future but they're like oh he'll be we'll take a look at him Thursday and we'll see how he's doing how oh, he's traveling with the team right like, oh that sounds just unreasonably positive <laughs> it's know, true yeah. com- compared to what we saw i mean just what like if you were to guess like i mean i i thought man he's probably gonna be out at least two months after i saw him go down like that's like on the positive end like he'll be out two months um yeah i, I was when i first saw it i was thinking wow that's at least a month and probably a month and a half Mm-hmm. And I already started looking like at the schedule, and then I started watching uh, Zion highlights, <laughs> you know, trying to trying to do the math. <laughs> Man, Zion is super fun. <laughs> he, he is he is different from anything I've seen. He is just a monster of a man. He's so large. He is so large. I want him on the Thunder so bad. Um, oh, can man. I give you some stats? Ooh, give me some stats. All right, I did some deep diving into stats yesterday. <laughs> I got some things to tell you. First of all, you know, we talk about how active they've been defensively. So just yep. some stats to back that up. They are first in steals, first in points off of turnovers, sixth in deflections, sixth in charges drawn. That's pretty good. Yeah, I like that. Now, s- some kind of weird stats. On the one hand, they are fifth in the league in contested two-point shots. Okay. So, but then they are 25th in the league in contested three-point shots. And I don't know what, what that means. Well, it's, I don't know that's if, the number of, of shots they're contesting. Right. So, they, are limi- yeah. they are limiting. Because, I mean, look at three-point. We'll have to look at the three-point, um, how many attempts that teams are getting off against the Thunder. But it's been low on the low end. And so that's, to me, that's why. So that's good. So that's good. That's it could a, it could be a good thing. It could, it, it could be good. It could, it could be, be a bad thing. Let me. I'm going to look it up. 
Um, the next one, they're passing. Okay, so OKC is currently averaging 228.6 passes per game. Now, Andrew, where do you think that ranks in the NBA? 25th? 30th. Oh, okay. Fewest <laughs> passes in the NBA. Where do you think that ranks among the last six OKC seasons? Oh, I don't know. Last! Is it really? That's interesting. Isn't that weird? That is a weird. weird. So, I mean, and it's by a significant amount, too, because, like, the the fewest amount of passes they've ever gone for has been somewhere around, like, 255 per game. Mm-hmm. So they're at 228 right now. And they've always been at the bottom of the league in this stat. But one possible explanation for it, time of possession. So how, how much of the clock they use each possession? Mm-hmm. OKC is currently averaging 17.8 seconds as their time of possession. Where do you think that ranks in the NBA? Fifth. I guess it depends how, how you view it, but that is actually the shortest time of possession in the league. Is it really? It's actually less than Golden State. So in, com- in comparison, like San Antonio and Memphis are tied for first. Mm-hmm. Um, in comparison to past years, the Thunder have always been between 20.2 and 20.7 seconds as their time of possession. And teams like San Antonio and Memphis are up like in the in the 22s. Um, Golden State has had the shortest time of possession the last five years straight, which makes sense if you've ever watched Golden State. Yeah. Um, but no team has ever finished the year with a time of possession less than 19 seconds wow. since they've been measuring the stat. And this year, there are currently six teams averaging 19 seconds or less. So maybe that's one possible explanation that OKC is just getting into their sets really quickly. They're making one or two passes and getting a shot, which would which would be great. Like that that tells me that they're playing faster, which we already knew that because we're looking at the pace stats. But maybe even in the half court setting, they're playing faster. Yeah, that is super interesting. That's, and that's what they wanted. That's what they talked about all summer. And you, you kind of, you're kind of skeptical of what teams tell you in the summer, just because everybody's saying we want to play faster, we want to do this, we want to switch more. I mean, and you're like, okay, well, let's let's see if you're really doing it, um, right? Because it's it's typically not the case. Um, yeah, the Thunder. So they the Thunder limit their fifth um, in above the break threes. Um, that they're allowing their opponents, which means the fifth fewest. Um, and then the the Mavericks actually the best in that. From the right corner, the Thunder are kind of their league average from the right corner and giving up corner threes from the right um, and league average as well on the left. But they're just not giving up a ton of threes, and that's why they're not contesting as many is because um, they don't give up a ton. So... That's, and that, and that, that's why the time of possession stat, that's obviously pretty heavily influenced by the fact that they're first in steals right now. Yeah, for and, sure. And and the amount of steals they're putting up, mm-hmm. you know, they're 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 averaging 11.7 per game. And like number two is down around 10 and then it drops off down to nine. So oh. they're like significantly above the league right now. <clears throat> but they have the players like you look at the players they have like Westbrook has been super active on defense in terms of like creating turnovers, you have Paul George, Dennis Schroeder, Jeremy Grant, like they have the guys who can maintain this. Yeah. So maybe, and, and that's what you want to see. You want to see this team in transition. Cause it's almost feels automatic when they get in transition. And when they get Dre back, like that'll be even more because yeah, like that's the, true. Like the deflections were way up when Dre played. And I mean, to me, if they can continue to play like this, and if Dre can be anywhere close to where he was last season when he comes back, which I'm still skeptical of that, but just stay with me, they will be the number one defense in the NBA. And isn't it wild to think about how bad this defense looked last year when Dre went down? <laughs> and then think about Jeff, what's his name? Bizdelic. Bizdelic. Right. Coming in, trying to like, fi- oh, let's see if we can try to fix that. I can't figure out what the problem could be. <laughs> <laughs> and OKC loses Melo and all of a sudden like, oh, their defense is fine. Like, yeah. They're going to be good. They're okay. And I think some of that was Ferguson not being a rookie last year, being a 19-year-old rookie. Right. Um, and then I thought Houston was pretty good defensively last year, but he wasn't great. Uh, I mean, they just didn't really know what to do with that shooting guard spot at all whenever Dre went down. And so 
I mean, to the point where they had to go get Corey Brewer off the scrap heap. And he was good, like, to his credit. Like, he played pretty well. But, like, still, um, they have a plan. And they've got three guys that you're like, oh, like, I feel good when, you know, Ferguson now I feel, like, pretty good when he plays. Um, I don't want him to play huge minutes. But, like, when he does play, it's like, okay, Abrinas. Like, you feel like you want him to be on the floor. Uh, and then Diallo as well. Like, he, he just is a spark every time he's on the floor. Um, which is and all, great. And all these guys have the same type of defensive identity. Like they're all super active and want to get out and transition. Cause even going from Ray Felton as your backup point guard to Dennis yeah. Schroeder, like before the season, you wouldn't say Schroeder's obviously a better defender than Felton. They're both kind of like whatever, but Schroeder's approach to defense fits so much more in with this team's identity right now yep. than Raymond Felton. Mm-hmm just because Raymond Felton's larger and slower. Man, Schroeder is so quick. And the way he, that he gets to the basket and gets in the paint, and he has that floater game at times, but I, I just love it when he gets all the way to the rim. And I'm really very fast. And well, I was fascinated to see how he played against Anthony Davis, and he was awesome. <laughs> I mean, and some of that, I don't know if you could count that up to like Anthony Davis still being injured, um, but he was awesome against Anthony Davis um, and really picked his spots well at the end of the game. He had... And a lot of people love to point out that he fouled a, a three-point shooter. And like that, that was not good. But I don't think the Thunder win that game without him. Uh, no. With the way that he, he played on the offensive end. He hit some big-time shots. And the Thunder haven't had a guy like that off the bench. I mean, really, to me, since Kevin Martin. You know, Reggie was, yeah. Reggie was good, uh, but Reggie did not hit threes. Reggie, he was good. He was a good backup point guard, a good six man, but I I think with the way that Schroeder has played through these first nine games, you can say that he's a better player than what Reggie was then. Yeah, I think so. I have, I have an interesting stat about uh, Anthony Davis. Okay. Because I was looking at that Pelicans game, and I thought they played really well against Davis. Um, he only shot seven for 20. He put up 20 points, eight rebounds. Mm-hmm. I went back through all of his game logs through his career. This is the first time in Anthony Davis's career where he has shot under 40% for four games in a row. Whoa. It's never happened before. That's crazy. Yeah. So I, I don't know if something's going on there. And we, we, we were texting about the Pelicans, how, you know, I think before the season, I predicted that one of the early season stories would be, we'd be all worrying about the Pelicans because they had such a tough opening schedule. Mm-hmm. And then within a week, I had completely changed my tune and said that uh, the Pelicans were like locked in as a playoff team. And now I'm uh, back where I was because <laughs> I, I can't believe they're four and six. Yeah. The way they started this season was just so dominant. And now they're already two games under 500. Yeah, they completely flip-flop with the Thunder with the way they started. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny, the the way that teams start colors people's perceptions so much. Because if you were to ask a random person that even covers the NBA, who's a better team, the Pelicans or the Thunder? They say, oh, it's the Pelicans. Right. Like you said. Right. And it was just, like, we saw them just destroy the Rockets. And, like, looking back now, it's like, oh, well, maybe that wasn't as impressive <laughs> as we thought it was to begin with. Yeah. Um, but that, like, they're they're a solid team. Like Julius Randle, that guy's really good. He's yeah, he kind of dominated the Thunder. He did. He's just a man. That guy's awesome. Uh, I don't know. I, it's it's interesting watching the Lakers. And you're like, oh, like the Lakers could really use him. Like they could just use some toughness uh, that he provides. Uh, but they let him go. I get, I mean, if you're the Lakers, I don't I don't know why you wouldn't just give him a big balloon payment for this season you know, instead of paying all the guys that you did. Uh, Cause he took a one year deal anyways. So why don't you just, yeah. I, I, that's one that I just, I just don't get at all, but okay. Alex, do you have a this week in thunder history? I do. So something you and I haven't talked about yet, but the thunder debuted uh, their new city jerseys. Yeah. I think we, we both like them. Yeah. Both fans. Um, I'm starting to realize that I'm, I don't know if the Thunder ever going to create like the perfect Jersey, the, the Jersey that I'm just like, this is the absolute best Jersey of all time. <laughs> so I, so I have to, I have to be honest and say like, I, I like it. I like it a lot. 
it's especially compared to their past unis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see them on the court. I like the fact that they in, incorporated the, the Native American culture and heritage of Oklahoma. I think that's cool. Um, but I'm going to take you back to a time, November 9th, 2012. Headline, Thunder debut alternate unis. So this was the first alternate uniform five years into their existence in Oklahoma City. I remember this time because we were so excited to have anything else to look at. <laughs> right. We just wanted something. Give me something. It didn't matter. And we were perhaps too nice about these jerseys. Um, these, of course, were the ones. Well, I'll just read it here. It says, keeping the simple, straightforward approach that's been used to build the Thunder franchise, general manager Sam Presti said the team's alternate jersey was designed with the same thought process. The jersey, which was revealed Thursday morning, is navy blue with white lettering and carries a clean, old school appearance. You, of course, remember these jerseys, right? I do. What, now, what was your opinion of them at the time? I don't. I honestly don't even remember. <laughs> I, just, I, I I just I, remember being excited. Yeah, for, just it for something, something new. Yeah, it was. They're okay. I was like, oh, like that's fine. Now, do you remember what those jerseys stood for? You know, like obviously the new jerseys, they're based off the Native American history of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the thought process behind those first alternate jerseys? <laughs> it's. It's hilarious that there's even a thought process behind like line, exactly. lines. I'm about to tell you. Okay. Because like this is just, ridiculous. Just lines and the and the word thunder. Yes. Yeah, that is ahead. correct. <laughs> that is a correct interpretation, by the way. Okay. So these are some quotes from Sam Presti about those jerseys. Oh, no. <laughs> our hope is that we created a uniform that our players and fans can connect with and that represents the blue collar, industrious nature of the people in Oklahoma. Now, listen, Andrew, I understand why Oklahoma City likes to pride itself as a blue collar city. Okay, I get it. But guess what? A lot of cities are blue collar. It's not what makes Oklahoma City interesting and clinging to it just feeds into this narrative that OKC has nothing to offer other than good old fashioned hard work. It feeds into this narrative that Oklahoma City is this backwater town, that there's nothing to do here, that we're just oh so grateful that Sam gave us vertical lettering. Like, we thought letters could only go sideways. But we do have culture, Andrew. We do have culture. There are interesting things about Oklahoma City, and maybe we don't have the opera that Pau Gasol so desperately wants to see, but we have culture. We have old-timey oil boom culture, which is kind of cool. We have Native American culture. We have cowboy culture. So I don't like that part. Now, let me tell you about the other inspiration behind this jersey. Okay. It says here, the thunder lettering on the front side of the jersey is vertical rather than horizontal for a reason. Sam Presti said the vertical lettering, perhaps most importantly, acknowledges the city's resiliency. It is very much inspired by the survivor tree at the memorial. The symbolism of the vertical letters serves as a reminder that the city has stood and endured together in difficult times and is poised to continue to grow and evolve in many ways in the future. Now, Andrew, the bombing was obviously a huge moment in Oklahoma City history. We should always remember it. We should honor those who died, honor those who survived. Incorporating that tragedy into a jersey isn't necessarily a bad idea. Mm -hmm. But when Sam Presti tries to sell me on the idea that vertical lettering (laughs) is somehow representative of that event, I say, no, Andrew, they're vertical letters. You know, it would be representative of the survivor tree and might look cool on a Jersey. How about a tree, Andrew, (laughs) a tree. If you want to honor that time in Oklahoma city city, why not do it in a way that people actually remember and are aware of? Mm -hmm. Did you even know that was the idea behind these jerseys? Of he, course not. He made that up. He did make that up. There are nothing jerseys. There's nothing there. No. There's nothing to do with that. No. It's it's just some dude in in word art or whatever is just making a jersey. I yeah. mean it's it's as plain as it could be. That is I mean, that is some just some big time BS from Sam Presti on that one. It is offensive. They could have done like the the Golden State the town jersey. Yeah. But a tree, like it could, it actually could have been cool if they were actually yeah. more upfront about, like, yeah, we want to honor this thing right. as part of a jersey. Like, yeah, that actually could be cool. Don't sell me on these two vertical lines. Oh, maybe that's a trunk of a tree. I don't know. 
Now, all of this is to say, Andrew, I'm going to end it on a positive note. Okay. That they did the exact opposite with their New Jersey. So they chose an interesting piece of Oklahoma, which is its Native American culture, and they clearly incorporated it into a Jersey. There's no interpretation needed. You do not need a degree in modern art to make the connection <laughs> to Native American culture. And these Jerseys will be remembered and they'll do a better job of representing our city and our state than any other Jersey so far. And so for that reason alone, I like them. Like they were very Agreed. obvious in their intention Whereas that description I just read is just BS. Yeah. It was made up arguably on the spot. <laughs> right. I mean, there's just, yeah, there's no way they sat down and like, we really need something that represents all these things. Let me come up with it. Oh, here I've got it. Two lines, darker blue, vertical <laughs> letters. It represents all those. Like, no, like that's right. not a thing. That is not a thing. Also, one more thing, one more bone I have to pick with Sam Presti is that he, I don't know if you remember this, when Alex Abrinas first came to this team, he called him Alex Abrinish. I do remember that, yeah. There's still people that, that call him that because Sam did that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a basketball tragedy. It's a basketball That's tragedy. weird. It's weird. It's so weird. And it's just, it's so wrong. <laughs> it just could not be more wrong. And at least, like, I can, I can get the Robertson Roberson thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I, I understand that. I've made the mistake myself when just saying it off the cuff. But a Breenish, like, well, I would have, I would never get there. That's not a Spanish thing, too. No, it's not. <laughs> it's just very, very weird. Uh, one more stat for you before we go. So okay. the Thunder currently have two players that are averaging over a steal and a block per game. Jeremy Grant, Stephen Adams, and then they have uh, Nerlens Noel that's close to averaging that, and also Paul George. So having four guys that are almost averaging at least one steal and one block per game, like that's pretty impressive. Wow, yeah, it's good for fantasy. <laughs> it's for good. your stocks, got to get stocks. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey man, I, I took Karis Levert in every fantasy draft that I that I had. Hey, that's great for you. I took uh, Larry Nance Jr. in every fantasy draft. <laughs> <You I had. laughs> Is he playing for them? No, I don't get it. I really don't get it, man. I had to. I had to pick up Tristan Thompson. That's, oh. that's, that was my target tonight because they are They paid Larry Nance. They extended him for four years, and last game they paid him. Played him sixteen minutes. Yikes! What are they didn't? Isn't he really young and energetic? Isn't that? I don't what know they how need? young he is actually. Oh, <laughs> we're going to do a deep dive on Larry Nance before we go. Actually, I, I don't just, think that. How old do you think uh, Reggie is? Because I just looked that up. Reggie Jackson? Yeah, Reggie. Reggie Jackson. 27? He's 28. Okay. He's, he's a little bit older than I thought. Yeah. For some reason, I still thought he was a little a young guy, but he's not. Nance is almost 26. Oh, okay. January well, 1st, he'll be 26. He's still younger than Corver, so... <laughs> And I think that will remain the case. <laughs> that stat will hold the season for sure. <laughs> Take it to the bank. <laughs> Alex, thanks for coming on the show today. We can follow you on Twitter at AlBabyCakes. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our show at Down to Dunk. You guys have been so, so good at leaving five-star reviews for us. We're getting closer and closer to 700. If you could help us get there. We, we live in Oklahoma City. We love arbitrary numbers. Uh, if you just help us, that would make a big difference to us uh, for potential sponsors and things like that. Uh, also, we I look at every single one. I read all of them. Uh, they all mean a lot to us. I uh, hope you guys have a great Wednesday. And we'll talk to you guys again Friday morning.